Hey everybody, it's Brett. I'm coming to you from my home. Thought I would dress up for you a little bit. You may still be in your daytime pajamas or your nighttime pajamas, whatever. Just glad that you're here and whatever platform you're watching on, ask that you would share it with your family and friends. Welcome to our kids. Welcome to our guests. If it's your first time with us, uh, don't know where you are in your spiritual journey or what your church background may or may not be. Uh, but we want you to know God loves downriver, and our mission is to win downriver to Christ, and God loves you. And so we're just glad that you are joining us as we seek him together, because we're going through some tough times together, aren't we? I mean, this is absolutely new to us, but it's really not new throughout history. Uh, this has uh, been going on for a long time, uh, but right now the hurt is very real. Some are, are sick. And uh, some are just weary from caring for those who are sick. Some are uh, worn out from having to work long hours at these essential jobs. And we're appreciative to those of you who are doing that. But we're all experiencing different levels of disorientation and discouragement and maybe even some depression. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to be going through this, should I? Well, that's a pretty unrealistic, unbiblical expectation. Uh, God never promised that. Uh, that's, that's why we're talking about being resilient. God gives us what we need to be resilient. That's why we've looked in scripture about how we can have hope for hard times. We can have trust in place of worry. Today, I want to talk about having joy for hurting people because that's who needs it the most right now, isn't it? Uh, we, we need it when we're hurting, and that's not something that we can manufacture or work up in ourselves. It's a gift from God. It is a fruit the Holy Spirit produces in us. And so our big idea today is going to be by focusing on what we have in Christ, we can choose joy. That's the key. We can choose to be joyful. So I'm just going to be real with you because I know there are some uh, pastors and churches have good motives trying to um, keep our faith up but by doing so, they tend to downplay or ignore the hurt we're going through because they'll, they'll talk about how, hey, it's all going to be okay. Everything's going to be great. God's got this. And they'll quote some Old Testament verses that apply to the nation of Israel. God made with them under the covenant uh, in the Old Testament where he promised material and physical blessings in, in uh, place of obedience, that if you're obedient, then you, no plague is going to touch you. You're, you're going to have abundant crops. You, you, I'll heal your bodies. I'll heal your land. And that's overpromising because we are not under that old covenant promise with Israel. Uh, we are under the new covenant that Jesus brought. And it's a better covenant with better spiritual promises that aren't necessarily physical and material guarantees of, of good health or abundant crops or any of those things. Yes, we're, we're promised blessing for being faithful, for generosity, all those things, but they're on a, a different level, a more eternal level. And so we got to be very careful when we're saying, hey, everything's going to be okay, because the only place that everything's going to be okay is heaven, and we're not there yet. So I want to see the church responding to this pandemic with an inner kind of joy that doesn't downplay the hurt or ignore it or has this Pollyanna-ish outlook on things. And neither should the church respond with the kind of um, negativity and sarcasm and spreading rumors that doesn't make anybody feel better. Jesus actually warned his disciples about what was to come before he was crucified in, in these words in John chapter 16. He says, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, 
and you will rejoice and no one will take your joy away. Nobody's going to take away your joy. I love that. And that's what we're going to be celebrating next week. Nobody can take away our joy because Jesus is risen. That's what Easter is about, living the resurrected life. It's not just a once a year holiday. That's why Mark and I are going to be bringing a message on Easter called Easter Every Day, how, how it applies to our everyday life. And I hope you're going to do your best to invite people this week. We're counting on you to invite your family and friends. Invite at least 10 of them. I think they're going to be more open to an invitation this time of year than, or probably more than ever in their whole life than this year. So um, send them a text, pick up the phone and call them, uh, shoot them a social media post or something, because one invite really can change a life forever. And I know some people are talking about, hey, for Easter, wouldn't it be cool if we had like a drive-in church, you know, like a drive-in movie theater? A few other churches around the country are doing that. But I got to remind you, in Michigan, we are under a stay-at-home order. And we're really not supposed to be going out for anything except the essentials, medical supplies, and food. So we don't want to ignore that and bring disrepute upon the church. So we're just going to meet together here online and stay home and stay safe. And, but here's what I'd like you to do. I, I'd like you to, uh, to think about how you can invite somebody. Maybe here's a, here's a good idea. Why don't you shoot a quick video of yourself, like no more than 60 seconds at most. So something short about how Jesus has changed your life and then invite them to church. And again, don't get all like weird, super churchy on them, just real quick how Jesus changes your everyday life. And you might even tag it, hashtag Easter every day, and then say, join me for Easter online at southpointccc.com. Never know how many people will show up just because of your story. Because this has brought us to our knees. It has humbled us that our modern, sophisticated technological culture is not used to this. We are used to convenience, you know, and uh, we're used to comfort and uh, we're used to quick fix kind of mentalities where we are easily afforded whatever medical treatment we want, you know, for whatever illness comes up, there should be a relief for it. But that's a relatively new assumption because not that long ago, our, our ancestors didn't expect to be relieved or cured. They just knew they were going to get sick and they would hope to ride it out. They couldn't go into the doctor for some sort of injection or um, some kind of surgery. They just hoped to survive it because life was tough. I mean, the lucky ones survived childbirth. The luckier ones made it past childhood, but life was short and death was always around the corner. Uh, is just a normal part of life. And grief was a part of life too. It still is today, of course. I mean, Jesus experienced grief more than I think anybody can understand, not, not only because of uh, people like Lazarus, his good friend dying. I mean, but the thing about his grief is he grieved, but he brought Lazarus back to life. And that's why he helps us to handle grief a whole lot better because he gives us a hope beyond the grave. I mean, he gives us reasons to go on living every day, Easter every day. So, you know, some of you have already probably been touched by this virus. You know somebody who has it. Uh, you may even have a loved one who ha has it or maybe has already uh, been lost to it. Or maybe you've just gone through grief recently for some other reason. Somebody has passed in your family. Uh, and people are lonely. I think people were lonely before this, but this has only made it so much worse. And I think loneliness 
is the feeling that nobody cares about me. Nobody's interested in me. Nobody finds me worthwhile. I, I don't have anybody to go through life with. And that really is painful. That hurts a lot. And that kind of loneliness can drive people to desperation. You end up spending your life being with somebody that you probably shouldn't be with, uh, hanging around people you shouldn't be with. Um, loneliness can drive other people to uh, seclude themselves in their home with pets and um, the TV as kind of a substitute companion. And I don't mean just now. I mean, they were doing this all the time. Others, it drives them to escape loneliness through workaholism or drugs or drinking. I just saw a headline how alcohol sales have gone up like 55%. And so people try to find fellowship. You know, when, when you're able to, they, go, they would go out to the bar to find that sense of warmth and acceptance and relationships. And, you know, there, there's some level of that there, but it's, it's trying to copy the fellowship that the church provides. So it ends up being kind of a shallow substitute or counterfeit fellowship. And so the ones who do go to church, they're looking in the right place, but sometimes they still don't find it. That warmth and acceptance and, and the relationships. And it, it may be because they really didn't try that hard. Maybe they did and they just still came away feeling kind of a cold indifference. And that's sad because that's not the way church should be. But when God creates us, he wants us to be with others. Look at Adam in the garden. He created him by himself. And he said, that's not good. He shouldn't be alone. So he creates Eve for him. It's not a mandate for everybody to get married, but it certainly calls us out of that secluded living. Maybe uh, it's that feeling of aloneness that drives us to seek God and to reach out to others. So in that sense, it can be a good thing. But maybe you're discouraged right now, maybe even battling bouts of depression. And of course, depression is is a serious thing that can have some physiological reasons to it. But a lot of times we all just feel down because we go through rough times. And you, you think, well, I shouldn't feel that because I'm a Christian. But you know what? We, we all go through valleys and where bad stuff happens and, and it's a downer and that's okay. But we don't wanna live life in the valley, in the pit of despair and despondency. You look at the many of the Bible heroes of faith and they went through times of discouragement too, Moses and David and Jonah and Jeremiah and Peter, they all experienced discouragement. And I think a lot of times it came from the idea that they felt abandoned by God, right? That's a common element. What, you know, God has, has left me and that's just not true. So let's look at three sources of fellowship where, where we can find joy. Okay. So the first one is, is this joy comes from fellowship with God. Okay. God made you for fellowship with him and you're not fulfilled until you Find that fellowship with him. Um, joy is found in the presence of the Lord. God, God is the one who tells you, you know, you're, you're somebody who does matter to me. You are important. You are worthwhile. Uh, you are interesting to me. And you know what? I want to spend the rest of eternity with you. Boy, and that, that makes all the difference in the world. So we spend time with God alone in that encounter time with prayer, reading the Bible in worship time. I think that underscores the distinction between aloneness, which we all go through, and loneliness, a feeling of response. We don't have to feel that way. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Love this. Uh, probably my favorite chapter in the Bible, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
No. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who what? Who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, which we're all concerned about, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Again, Jesus knew the pain of grief and separation and loneliness like nobody else. In his most vulnerable moment, he was betrayed by his friend. He was abandoned by all of his other friends. As he hung on that cross, he experienced a sense of loneliness that we can't imagine because he cries out, my God, my God, you know, why have you forsaken me? And he was forsaken on the cross because he was carrying the load of the sins of the world on him. His, our sins, your sins and mine, because God can't have fellowship with sin. Jesus took those away so that we could have our fellowship restored with God. Uh, and, and what's amazing is he went to the cross knowing that that's what was going to happen. In fact, he was in such dread in anticipation that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat great drops of blood. He wasn't looking forward to that distress of the cross. But I want to take it back to John 16. As Jesus is warning his disciples, he goes on to say, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, okay? But, but your grief will turn to joy. Here's why. It's like a woman giving birth to a child has pain before her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So now with you, now is your time of grief, but I'll see you again. And you will rejoice. And no one, I love this, no one will take away your joy. Because you know what? His father didn't abandon him to the grave. He wasn't left alone. He was able to endure all that, to be resilient through all that. Why? For the joy set before him. Uh, not for the joy of the cross, but for what it would accomplish, for what lay beyond it, our salvation, the resurrection, our, life, our eternal life. So in some cases, your hurt may be spiritual because there's a sense of separation from God, all right? Sin feels good for a while. It's pleasurable. It's fun. But ultimately, sin leaves you feeling lousy. It drags you down. You know that. And so you got to get rid of that separation. Only Jesus can do that for you because God cannot have fellowship with you while you're living in your sin. So you got to make a choice. Am I going to forsake God or am I going to forsake sin? You know, after Jesus appears to his disciples, he also makes this promise to all of us. I'm going to go back into heaven so that I can send you my Holy Spirit. Because while I'm limited in this physical body, I can't be with you, all of you, all the time. But my spirit can. The presence of Jesus is in us through the Holy Spirit at all times, through all things. And so we're never really alone. All right, We, can, we don't have to feel lonely because we're not really ever alone. So joy comes from fellowship with God. But number two, joy also comes from fellowship with God's people. We need to be part of a loving, supportive group of fellow believers. Jesus surrounded himself with people. In fact, sometimes so much so that he found it difficult to get away and be by himself. But he did life together with his group of 12. 
And he gives us the church, right? In, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, even if there's a virus, even if your building's closed, as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, the second coming approaching. <laughs> all right, well, look, we're so different in so many ways as the church. We come from different backgrounds. Um, but that's okay, because what binds us together is deeper than all of that. Jesus picked out a whole variety of disciples to be his followers. He said, okay, you guys, you're going to love one another, all right? I don't care what your background is, what your past was, what your color or nationality or your, um, your, your financial status is. You're all one in Christ now, okay? You're my body. So take the initiative, would you, and experience community in an online group, Go on our website to find those. Join me Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Encounter Live on South Point's Facebook page for prayer and a devotional Bible study. In fact, we're going through the, the letter to the Philippians, which is full of joy. It's an uplifting book. So look, we, we're not going to run to the church to escape the real world. You can't do that. You find the real world in the church. We bring all that in, into the church with us. But we can leave it there with God because there we meet a real God who's the real answer, the, the, the help, the hope, the healing that we need. And, and, you know, some churches might give off a vibe where we say, like, we don't want you here unless you act happy. You put on a smiley face, you know, act like everything's great because it's not. Church is a hospital. And in a hospital, some people are hurting and some people are healing, right? Sometimes you need to be uplifted and sometimes you need to be the uplifter. So I want you to check out 1 Thessalonians 5.11. The Apostle Paul there says, therefore, encourage and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. That's what we should be doing with one another. Rejoice with those who rejoice, grieve with those who grieve, comfort those who need comforting because we are here to bear one another's burdens. And sometimes we all just need that encouraging word, that listening ear, that uh, smile and prayer. And that reminds me of one of my favorite old stories about a deacon who went to visit one of the elderly church members who had just gone into a nursing home. And so he walks in and sits on the couch next to her recliner. And he notices on the table between them a bowl of peanuts. And he says, hey, do you mind if I have some of your peanuts? And she says, oh, honey, not at all. You just go ahead and help yourself. Well, he notices that her dentures are missing, but he doesn't say anything. And uh, they continue to talk, and he encourages her for about an hour. And then when he gets up to leave, he notices the bowl of peanuts is empty. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. I ate all of your peanuts. And she says, sweetie, that's okay. I already gummed all the chocolate off of them anyway. Classic. I love it. I don't know if you're laughing, but I love that one. And, and it leads me into the, the, the next part of having joy. Joy comes from serving others, not just being with them, but serving them. Because you think about Jesus was a servant and uh, he got into a whole lot more disgusting situations than, than chocolate gummed off. You know, he was touching lepers and he was... Now, I'm not saying go out and be around people who are sick, but I'm saying find ways to serve one another right now, all right? Because who was more full of joy than Jesus. I don't believe for a minute that he walked around with some kind of sour expression on his face, that he was uh, always somber looking because he was full of life, full of joy. And, and so we're going to serve one another in a way that 
gets us out of our own discouragement. Isn't that true that if, when you focus on somebody else's concerns and problems, it lightens the load on you. It gets you out of your misery because when we focus on ourselves, that leads to discouragement. Now, we're not going to go serve them just so we feel better. I mean, that will rob you of all the joy of serving others. But I, you may be aware of the old acronym that's going to help us get a proper perspective. The way to spell joy, J-O-Y, is by putting Jesus first, others second, yourself third. And if you get those in the right order, you will have joy. So I am proud of the way our church is serving all the time, but even more so now, the way our food pantry volunteers are meeting needs, the way our creative arts volunteers are um, making sure we have these services and the way our, our kids and student leaders are making sure that our youth have experiences online, uh, the way our group leaders uh, continue to lead and the way mm, people who are just calling in to check up on each other, uh, the ones who visit people in the hospital, and they're not able to do that right now. And it's, I think it's frustrating to all of us that we can't get out there and be more of, of a help to what's going on right now, but that's okay. You do what you can. You pray for one another. You keep checking on each other because I want us to go back to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, verses 16 to 18. In fact, at home right now, everybody say this out loud together with me. You ready? Here we go. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What a great memory verse, right? Uh, it's a command. Be joyful always. Doesn't mean that you can feel happy because it's, it's more than a feeling, it's something deeper than that. And so by focusing on what we have in Christ, we can choose joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength and I will rejoice because I know God loves me and he's the source of life. He's the source of healing. I don't expect everything bad and negative in this life to disappear. Uh, the, he never promised that, but the day is coming when it will. He has promised a day when he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more grief, no more loneliness, no more discouragement or problems or pain. I'm looking forward to that. But until that, we hold on to the promises we have from him right now. So let me speak to you for a moment if you're not yet a Christ follower, because I don't want you to let this moment go by. To ask, okay, what's my next step? What am I going to do with this? And maybe it's simply just to come back next week for Easter, and that would be great. But maybe it's to go beyond that. Maybe you're ready to really consider following Jesus, putting your trust in him, turning from your sin, being baptized into the one who died for you, who rose from the dead, uniting with him in your own death, burial, and resurrection in the waters. We can show you how to do that at home even. So don't let this moment pass by because we've seen how quickly things can change. And you really need a solid rock to build your life on. And you, your soul needs an anchor in this storm. We don't know what the future holds, but you need to know your future, where you're going to go if you didn't have another day on this earth, all right? So if you're considering, if you're exploring what it means to follow Christ, if you're ready to confess him or to be baptized, would you reach out to us, contact us, give us a call, uh, text the word decision to 734-890-5454 or uh, email decision at southpointccc.com because 
that one decision will be the best decision of your life and it will change your eternity. So reach out to us so that you can receive uh, the joy of having your sins forgiven and eternal life. Let's pray together, everybody. Father, we come before you and, and thank you for what we do have in Christ, the, the things that matter most, the things that will last beyond this temporary time and beyond this temporary world, God. Jesus, you said that when one sinner repents, turns back to you, that the angels in heaven rejoice. And we wanna be able to rejoice with people today. We wanna have a party in heaven together with the angels as people make the decision to follow you. Uh, God, we're, we're so grateful for the joy that comes from the, the, the clean conscience, the, uh, the peace that comes from knowing you and, and having our sins forgiven. God, we're looking forward to celebrating together for Easter, the resurrected life that we can share in each day. Thank you for your promises, Lord, that make us resilient. We pray protection, healing, help for all those in need right now. Lift the burdens, lift the weariness, lift the grief and the loneliness so that we can rejoice in Jesus' name.